live from Studio 6B on a Monday. New month, October is here. Slick Rick's going to do some sports. David Zier sitting in for Rick Delgado tonight's going to do some news. Lots to talk about. Perry on the highways in the building. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. And of course, you to live from Studio 6B audience. New week, new month. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We were off Friday. I was off Thursday. Thanks to the great David Zier for sitting in for me on short notice. As always, appreciate that. So I feel like I haven't been here in a long time. Slick Rick, how are you? Fantastic, Big D. How was your weekend? It was terrible. Oh. Why, you ask? <laughs> why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if there's one sporting event in the world that I almost paint my face red, white, and blue, that's how much I'm into it. As you know, Slick Rick, and I know you know what I'm about to say, is the Ryder Cup. It's the one <laughs> event in golf. I mean, there's a lot of events in golf I love, being a golfer my whole life. But the Ryder Cup is, is the event that I look forward to and root as hard as you can root for the American team, especially as they flip-flop home and away, home and away, when they're away in Europe for the Ryder Cup. And your favorite player of all shined. <laughs> and this was an unmitigated disaster for the U.S. But first, let me say, David Zier, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. What's uh, what's going on in your world? Um, well, countries under Marxist leftist assault. Yep. Uh, New York, yeah. New York is crazy. Um, Washington's not far behind. Check. Um, is, there, is there anything Check. new? David? Yeah, Check. Is there Check. anything new? It's another day that ends in Y. Mayor <laughs> Adams is going to Mexico City. We should revoke his. Yeah. Oh, the white shirt. I'm. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. Is, I'm sorry. I'm hearing something in my ear. Is that going to air, friend? No. Oh, it's oh, not okay. going to air. Okay, that's Harry. They said my highway. white shirt is black, is uh, is blaring. Harry, of course, comes in and takes over the microphones, talking to us. The white balance. If you were at least going to air, Harry, that'd be better, so people could hear you. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, EV mandates are here for trucks. We'll get into that if you want. Great. Uh, you Fantastic. know, takes away twenty percent of the cargo weight of a truck. That's good news for the truckers. All right, so we're going to get into all that. David Zier's got a bunch of news he wants to get into. Slick's going to have sports. But just to get back to what I – and then we'll get into – You have a full rundown of the We'll get into Gates and all this nonsense and then McCarthy. And it's, it's just – this is – oh, God. Um, we'll get into all of that, what's going on. Motion to vacate is on the floor. Okay, rah, 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 great. Um, we'll get into all of that, how we got here, and what the real, real problem is. And it's not Gates, and it's honestly not McCarthy. It's this whole damn party. That, and that's really the bottom line. So we'll get into all of that and how we got here. And some of the things maybe you didn't know that happened. You know, I, I said to somebody this weekend when all of this was going down. If you're at the table and you're short stacked and you have seven deuce offsuit, for those of you who play poker. You know, it's going to be harder for you to be the bully at the table than if you have, have got, you know, 70% of the chips in play and you've got aces every hand, you know, then you can bluff and, and bully and do these things. And here we are with a four seat majority. And all along, what have we talked about on this show? We have talked about the fact that you actually have to get to the shutdown. You have to get to the shutdown. And with a four seat majority, how much are you going to be able to do without eventually playing into McCarthy's hands and have him turn around and work with the Democrats, which is not exactly what happened, but pretty damn close. 
pretty close to what we talked about. But before we even get to that, because this is going to be a night of basically um, drawing the distinction between the Democrats and the Republican Party as a whole, because that's really, we're pretty much screwed with the party that we have now. It's just, it's just a fact. Uh, but just to, just to draw the distinction, let's talk about California for a second. So what happens in California? Dianne Feinstein passes away last week, I guess on Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah. I saw the news or Thursday, Friday, whatever Friday, it was. Now, California is obviously a huge state. And you'd have to figure it's, it's California has become a, you know, leftist uh, progressive utopia over the last years. And, of course, Slick, Slick Newsom running the show and everybody's talking about him and how he's going to worm his way into the presidency and whatever. He gets to a point, this person, in, in, to replace Feinstein. So you look at, you look at California and you got to think, well, there's got to be a lot of up-and-coming Marxists in the state Senate, state legislature, some government body there in California that he can go to, House members, whoever. Well, Gavin Newsom goes to someone that wasn't elected to anything in California. As a matter of fact, she's not even a Californian, as far as we can tell. She's registered to vote in Maryland. Didn't she scrub her Twitter page? Ever? She did today. So he appointed a, first of all, black female, because that was, if you're going to check the boxes on what she had to have, it wasn't, you know, good legislative history. It wasn't uh, smart. It wasn't black female. Check. Black that was the le- first thing. Black lesbian female. Okay, we're about oh, to get to box number check. two. <laughs> <laughs> Does that seem, you know, kind of random black woman who, of course, he promised a point that's not even from California. So why do you pick her? Of course, that brings us to box two. Not only is she a black female, she's a lesbian activist. So now we have two boxes checked. And that brings us to, of course, box three, which is she's a rabid abortion activist. She's the head of Emily's List which is the biggest pro-abortion organization that the left, um, you know, is in bed with or whatever. So this just draws the distinction between the Republican Party and the Democrats. The Democrats will get whoever serves their purposes the most on the issues that matter to them the most at the time they matter, and they will do whatever they have to to get their biggest activists their biggest player for whatever they're trying to tackle, they'll do whatever and wherever to get those persons in those positions. The Republicans would never do something like this. The Republicans would never make a move like this. Abortion's hot. What does he do? Goes out and gets a black, lesbian, abortion activist who's not even a Californian to put in this Senate seat, which is a hugely powerful seat. And she was a campaign advisor to Kamala Harris. They take their best fighters at the time they need them for the issues they need them for and do whatever they have to to get them in position to fight for what they want. The Republicans just don't do it. They just don't do it. You'd never see something like that as we face every existential crisis known to man coming at us. Border, inflation, debt, biomedical tyranny, judicial tyranny all over this country. So do you mean that the left always puts the most hardcore person up and we don't? We always put a moderate? 
they 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 put what they put whoever the most vicious yeah. killer to attack whatever issue they think they can leverage to win. Because when we started 2023, what were the Republican leverage points that we had? We had two. We had the debt ceiling, and we had the September 30th deadline that we knew was coming for the budget. That was the leverage Republicans had heading into 2023, correct? Everybody knew that. This is your chance to not give the American Express black card to the Democrats again with no limit. Decide what you're going to fund, decide what you're not going to fund, and use your leverage points to get what you want. And what's amazing about where we are is that in all of the times on this show, I've talked about these debt ceilings, Pelosi and Schumer, rolling McConnell, rolling McCarthy, rolling whoever was in charge. They always got their ass kicked all over the place, always. But in previous years, they always had the leader of the party, whether they were in control of the White House or not, had the ability to actually help them in messaging. And now we're in this fight with a president and leader of their party who can't put a complete sentence together, is half dead, is half comatose every single day, not even there to help them fight this fight. And yet the outcome is still no different. Still no different. So you can't fight on a party that is extremely disliked, a president that is extremely disliked, on issues that the American people favor your position on most, and they couldn't even fight for 24, 48, 72 hours past the deadline for government shutdown. They were more scared of the actual shutdown than they are of what's going on at the border, what's going on with inflation, what's going on as everything that cripples your life, that's crushing your life, that's crushing your existence, that's crushing your liberty. No, they're not scared about that. They're scared about oh, the, 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 the deadline to shut down the government. We couldn't even get to a government shutdown, which has been the point I've talked about for, you have to get to the shutdown, which is why, Chip Roy, who clearly saw this coming a mile away, and Byron Donalds had put together to start an 8% cut across the board and catch and release some other border provisions as at least a point to say, here's our jump-off point. Here's what we're going to stand behind. We're going to pass this and send it to Marble Mouth and let him pressure would it have mattered? The Democrats and have the Democrats have to say in an election year, are we going to are we going to we're, we're going to be responsible for this shutdown right now? Are we going to be responsible for saying no, 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 we don't want to secure the border at all? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> one. And by the way, before you before you go on, the yeah. word on the street is that eight percent that they discussed two weeks ago and that got shut down went to thirty percent. Yeah. On Friday afternoon. I saw that. Because that's what they had promised back in March. And they said, let's do it. 30% cut. I saw that. But, you know, again, in the end, does it do anything? My, my, my concern is that I don't care if the government shuts down. Let it shut down. When Newt Gingrich, which surprisingly, you know, was 
ripping apart Matt Gates uh, because Newt Gingrich shut down the government and we got the largest tax crease in uh, cuts up until that point in the history of America. The economy took off like a rocket ship in 1996. I've been in the building industry for 35 years. I watched it. It happened. And also they got Clinton to balance the budget over it. Um, but I just wanted to add um, Ben Burkwam on the war room tonight. If you didn't catch it, go online and watch the segment with Ben because, you know, they, he, he was on fire that they should all walk out of Congress just over the border situation. But anyway, I that's, that's that's why that's why they discussed using the border as a jump off point. It was yeah. easily understandable by the public. It was something that every almost every you would think everybody in the in their caucus, even the mainstream rhino caucus and if, certainly the freedom caucus would have been on board with. You throw in an eight percent cut for the 30, 45 days and say, this is our jump off point. It's not this is not what we want. We know this is not going to be signed, but this is our jump off point in the House. Here you go. Let Schumer and them say, no, we don't, we're not going to do this. Let them be responsible for the messaging. Mm, good but point. no, we could never get there. All right, a lot more on this and some of the other things that happened this past weekend. And the real question is, when is enough enough for the Republicans? Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B. We'll do some sports and news here in a second. So, just to finish these first thoughts, so I was away for two days and all this was going down. I, I mean, I have no confidence that in forty-five days anything's going to be any different. And I, I just, I just don't know how how much worse does it have to get? Like, where do we have to get to that the Republicans can actually unify behind some messaging? Is there any amount of people across the border? Is there any amount of inflation? Is there any amount of uh, our liberty be taken away that the, that, that, that the Republicans can unify behind positions and uni unify behind messaging at the actual time that it actually matters? Like how many lives have to be destroyed? How many people have to be targeted? How much, how much does the Trump family have to deal with? How much degradation to your way of living does there have to be? Political targeting of opponents, of, of Americans, J6er. Like, how much is there anything that will elicit a unified response from the Republican Party is the question well, that I ask myself tonight. What if the, uh, you know, the Freedom Caucus and the people who claim to be more conservative, what if they're not happy with what the Republicans are doing. There's no fight well, in, the, again, in the mainstream Republican I party. Think, I think in normal times, I could be down with that argument. You have yeah. a four-seat majority. You yeah. have to play the hand at some point. You have to play the hand you're dealt. You could argue that what Gates is doing, and I always say, what do I say about Gates? He's always on offense. Yeah. He's sometimes the only one. But you have to be somewhat pragmatic about what you can get at the time. What do you have right now? You have 45 days of Biden's agenda still fully funded with not a single concession. I think the left. You've lost the plot, my friend. I think the left wants to annihilate our country. Uh, they want to flood the country with illegals. They want to tear it all down. 
Um, and that's their that's their end game. So, you know, the Republicans are complicit in it by not taking tougher stands, you know. So I understand what you're saying. I, I, I honestly it. don't even think it's like one. It's not even about Gates. It's not even about McCarthy. It's about the party as a whole. It's not even about one person. Yeah. I dare say it's not even about Marble Mouth. It's not about one person. When you look at this party, when you look at where we are. Is there anybody that thinks in 45 days this is going to be any different? Now, he's put a motion to vacate on the floor. I don't think he's going to get 218 votes. And he admits that. He says he probably won't get it on the first time around. So maybe they'll come to a consensus by then. You know, maybe they make gains. Maybe Gates makes gains. And they come out swinging after that, right? I mean, it's always worst. Before the dawn, right? I, you know, I, th- I, I don't know. Th- I think the thing is, I, I don't think Gates is doing us any favors right now with the way he's doing But I also don't think, like, if he was out of the picture, yeah. that we would be, like, sailing off to conservative uh, utopia either. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's the case either. Right. And that's no, what I'm saying. I don't think it's about one person at this point with the party. It's the whole party as a whole. It's bigger than And Gates. I don't know what we can do about it. I don't know. I don't know if we can do anything about it, even if we dig in our heels, unless they say, I'm not coming to Congress anymore and we're going to shut down the government for good until we fix the border, you know, and other things. I mean, we're being destroyed. Like we are being destroyed right now. There's one thing you can say. In past years, Republicans have, have never had the people on the inside to fight the fight. Now we have people who are willing to fight the fight. But they're but, not part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. But no one, now we have the outside not paying attention. Most people are not paying attention well, the to hundred, what's going on. The, um, the 104th Congress, you know, in the Republican Revolution did make dramatic gains. Uh, it was a special time in our history. And in the end, you know, people like uh, Scarborough, who's a total jerk, you know, um, was part of that Republican revolution. But they got a lot done, right, in the beginning. They got a lot done. Um, And, you know, I don't know. I I feel like the civil and criminal courts are controlled by leftists and Marxists. I feel the federal government is controlled by people who want you dead. They want us dead. They don't want us around. Um, And, you know, we're in the fight for our lives. So, you know, I just it just bothers me that there's going to be like, you know, negotiating, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But, you know, we're all getting hurt. We're all getting hurt. And, and people can't pay their bills right now. Does and, anyone does anyone think yeah. in these 45 days that McCarthy can get eight appropriations bills with actual key priorities that the Republicans say they are going to stand for? And actually stand in unity before the 45-day deadline. Maybe. And we do this all over again. What we should have been doing in August when we, we, went, on, we went on recess, which is part of the problem. Mrs. Warren McCarthy screwed us again. Not only did he screw us on the debt ceiling, he screwed us on this too. Why weren't we doing this in August, putting the 12 appropriations bills together? And then again, say, here's what's the messaging? Here's what we're standing behind. Here's what we're doing. We're ready to go for September 30th. We're ready to go. We're passing this, and here you go, Senate. I look at it like when you read the news, the mainstream media, and they say Gates is bad, I feel like he's doing something right. <laughs> but 
I also agree with what you're saying. You know, I get it, but you know, they want to they want to demonize the right. Yeah. All right. We'll do more on this. More news with David Deere. Let's do some sports, though. And here with that is Slick Rick, Rick Emirati. Sports brought to you by Mike Lindell. If you didn't see Lindell today on uh, War Room, I, sh- I shared the clip on our social media. And it's just a constant. He's just another one. It's just how much. Just Bye. a constant attack. Now he's getting audited. There's five or six audits going on now all of a sudden at uh, MyPillow. If you didn't see it, it's on our social media. Check that out. But uh, Mike Lindell sponsors sports. LFS6B is the code. Slick Rick, what's going on? Hi, Big D. Well, before I get to recap the games, we have to pick the NFL game on tonight, the Monday night game. Odds makers, Aaron and I, uh, it's the New York Giants hosting the Seattle Seahawks in MetLife. Giants on the move, Big D. They got the ball down around the 30-yard line, five minutes into the game. So uh, who are you going to take, Aaron? I'm taking the Giants tonight. Okay, and I'm going to take Seattle, so that makes it interesting. I'll take Seattle. Seattle's laying two and a half points, Big D, so mark that down in the book. Uh, before I get to any of the other odds makers, though, I do want to get to a story that really disturbed me this morning. It disturbed my 70s and early 80s football. Former Pro Bowl tight end Russ Francis dies in plane crash. Oh. Terrible. ESPN report this morning. Former Pro Bowl tight, tight end Russ Francis was killed in a plane crash in Lake Placid, New York on Sunday. According to family members, Francis was 70. Francis and Richard McSpadden, a former commander of the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds, rolled hard to the left after takeoff from Lake Placid Airport before crashing, according to a NTSB spokesman. It was not immediately uh, clear whether Francis or McSpadden was flying the plane. Francis was taken by the New York New England Patriots in the first round of the 1975 draft. He made three pole Pro Bowls for the team. In 1982, he moved on to the San Francisco 49ers. He won a Super Bowl there in 1984, and Francis returned to the Patriots in 1987 before concluding his career the following season, Pro Bowl career. My older brother, Russ Francis, was just killed in an airplane crash in Lake Placid, New York. Francis' brother, Ed Francis, wrote on Facebook yesterday, flying was my brother's lifelong passion and perhaps a fitting way for him to go. Godspeed to you, my big brother. Very sad story. A lot of the old 70s and 80s football fans remember he was one of the the prototype, phenomenal tight ends of his day, Big D, with the Patriots. And uh, very sad news. Uh, And I'll get to a couple of quick scores. So odds makers over the weekend, Aaron and I, we both split. We went two and two. Uh, she won the Notre Dame game. Duke, Duke, Duke did not pull it out in the end. Um, and then uh, I had Kentucky over Florida. Yeah, she had Old Miss over LSU. And the Colorado, uh, well, Dion kept it close, Big D. 21.5 point dog. And that game turned into a dog fight at the end. 48-41. USC, Caleb Williams just getting out of Dodge before that game wrapped. That was a heck of a game on Sunday. Uh, and that's a wrap in sports. If we get time later, I'll get to the NFL breakdown how we did on that. All right, we'll do some more sports right when we get back, and then we'll do some news with David Zier, more news on the budget and where we are, what we think is going to happen. And we're going to cover Charlie Kirk tonight, his first tour stop in San Jose. We'll cover that as well in Hour 2, live from Studio 6B. More to do. Thirty minutes.
minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're in. New week, new month. Lots to talk about, lots to do. As I said, we're going to be covering, uh, Real America's Voice is going to be covering. Charlie Kirk is going out on his, um, I think it's called Live Free Tour. It's a college tour. He's going to go uh, challenge the uh, progressives, I think, on these college campuses. And when he does, we're going to be covering it. Uh, so any night that Charlie's out there, we're going to cover it. Uh, whenever we, whenever he goes live, we will uh, go to Charlie Kirk tonight. I think it's going to be around 9.30 or so. So last half hour of the show, you're going to get Charlie Kirk live from San Jose uh, on the Live Free Tour. So we'll keep an eye on that. And as soon as they take the stage there, we will go live to San Jose and bring you that in its entirety. So uh, let's do some more sports. 30 minutes past the hour since Slick didn't have a ton of time. Slick Rick, uh, sponsored by Mike Lindell and MyPillow, LFS6B. You know how many emails I got today? You know what the majority of them were? What's, the new, sh- our odds makers. What's the new shirt of the month? <laughs> <laughs> that was the number one question I got today in the emails. What was oh, the new shirt of the month? It's October. Which I will reveal before the end of the show. You've already actually decided what the shirt of the month is. The audience, you did that last month when you picked the did not comply, will not right. comply. You know, it was second. That's the new shirt of the month, and it was really close to the winner last month. So that's what we're going to go with. Slick, what else is going on in sports? All right. Well, listen to this one. Patrick Mahomes' goal line slide shifts millions at oh. sports books. Oh, boy, oh, boy. They were going bananas in, in Vegas. Uh, David Purdom, ESPN staff writer. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes slid down at the New York Jets' two-yard line, sealing a 23-20 win over the Jets on Sunday night, a decision that shifted tens of millions of dollars at sports books around the nation. The Chiefs closed in as eight-point favorites over the Jets and received all Overwhelming support from the betting public at sportsbooks. An hour before kickoff, 91% of the bets and 84% of the money wagered on the game's point spread were on Kansas City at Caesars Sportsbook. Met MGM and DraftKings also reported heavy action on the Chiefs. A Mahomes touchdown and extra point would have put the Chiefs up 10, enough to cover the spread with less than two minutes to play. He instead made the heady play to give himself up, allowing the Chiefs to kneel, run out the final seconds, and secure the win, Big D. Uh, Booksmakers knew early last week that they need all all the Jets for a big decision in the Sunday night game. All week, money from the betting public had poured in on the Jets who opened a nine and a half point road favorites over the Jets, yet some big bets from sharp bettors caused the line to move in favor of the Jets in the hours ahead of kickoff. Caesars reported taking in a $350,000 bet and a $240,000 bet on the Jets, plus eight and a half on Sunday, yet still had lopsided action on the Chiefs. Somebody knew something there, big day. Uh, but the sharp money came in on the Jets, and we're still rooting for them. Adam Pullen, the assistant director of the season's book, said Sunday shortly after the game kicked off. The Chiefs jumped out to a 17-0 lead, but of course we know the story. The Jets uh, uh, came back. Zach Wilson played a stellar game. A lot of folks think that the Jets might have got shift, you know, got the slip there on that on that one call there, Big D. A little jockeying back and forth between uh, Jets' great Sauce Gardner and the uh, Kansas City receiver. Skips my mind right now. Uh, and there was a flag thrown. Wow, unbelievable. So what are you going to do? That's the way it goes. And let's just quickly recap the NFL games uh, Aaron and I had picked on Thursday night in, in, in advance of Fridays because we weren't on. Uh, Lions did end up defeating the Packers uh, 34-20. to Therefore, I did cover that game. Uh, we split on that one. Bills over the Dolphins. A blowout, 48-20. to Two a tug of a low is still looking for his hat. Unbelievable game there. Um, and uh, so that was 48-20. Won that one. The Eagles, that was a loss over the Commanders. Minus eight. They did pull that game out 34 
34-31 in overtime, but they did not cover. The Vikings over the Panthers, they did cover. They won 21-13, and uh, we both had the Chiefs uh, beating the Jets. They did beat them, but they did not win by 9.5, as I just mentioned in that story about Mahomes and all that money in Vegas, Big D. So for the weekend, uh, we were 2-2 two and two on the uh, NCAA college picks that I mentioned in the last segment, and then 3-2 and two on the pro. So uh, and not such a great weekend there in the NFL. I am 21-10 and 10 on the season right now, Big D. I'm not sure what Aaron... That's very Aaron, impressive. Aaron, <laughs> do you have impressive. your numbers? I'm not sure what I think Aaron's are. 500. That's fantastic, too. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm just about 500 right now. I think she's 15 Perfect. and 15 are about... Fantastic. So, pretty good from both of you so far. Yeah, no, not bad picks. So we'll have more picks. Uh, we got this Friday. We have the show, Big D, so we'll definitely do that. Uh, do you want to get into the Ryder Cup or you want to skip that segment? Well, let's do right some now? news, then we'll okay. get into the Ryder Cup because I have some <laughs> thoughts to offer you on the Ryder Cup, too. And our Ooh. captain. Ugh. Uh, so we'll get into that more sports. Thanks, Slick Rick. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell. Let's do some news. News is brought to you by Seven Cells. Sitting in for Rick Delgado, of course, the great David Zia. Mr. Zia, what's going on in your world? Uh, There's a lot going on. Uh, You know, I have a background in real estate, so this stuff hits home uh, about Trump. I mean, I don't have assets anywhere near, you know, or virtually any assets, uh, except a home. Well, if it's up to Uh, Biden, none of us will. (laughs) But, you know, listen. uh, Join a club. (laughs) Listen, all of this stuff has to get vetted through a bank. And uh, as my new friend Mendy Katz says, her Monarch Real Estate, he's an expert, a veteran in Manhattan. Um, You know, there are appraisals, there are insurance companies, there's underwriting, there's site visits, there's comps. Nobody gives out money from a bank, you know, as as Trump's lawyers, you know, put out today. Nobody's going to give you a loan based on, you say, if you're worth $3.8 billion, if you're really only worth $2 billion. So the whole thing's uh, fraudulent. But, you know, as Mendy Katz said, he had a great quote uh, with me uh, in our conversation that um, the iconic Trump organization is going to be chopped up and... um, and they want to get rid of the Trump name and bury it under the streets of Manhattan. Why is it okay for Jeff Bezos to buy a property in Beverly Hills for $165 million on just a couple of acres? That's only 12,000 square feet. Or why is it okay for him to buy a 10,000-foot home, not even in a nicer area than Mar-a-Lago's in, Palm Beach Island, which is the creme de la creme. It's the French Riviera of the East Coast of the United States. Um, you know, for $68 million for a 10,000-foot house or 12,000-foot house, I think it's 10, on just a couple of acres. Uh, people are selling land on Palm Beach Island and right there for $200 million for two acres, for three acres, just for the land. Mar-a-Lago's 30 acres. It's 63,000 feet. It's the iconic Marjorie Post family from the famous Serial Empire. Uh, It was built. It's this incredible property. It's probably worth a billion dollars. But also, Jeff Bezos bought all these properties in Manhattan. 17 million, 16 million, 80 million, uh, 11 Madison Park or one of those addresses. You know, but they're not as nice as Trump Tower and these other iconic, um, the, and, and the Trump brand brings so much to it. So um, we're watching this, um, and it, it's very, very sad because when you buy a Trump brand, it's like a trophy asset on millionaire or billionaire's row. It has meaning and depth to it, and the uh, our value is arbitrary. You know, you could say it's worth whatever you want. It's only what somebody's willing to pay for exactly. it, which with is what it's worth. But anyway. Um, I just wanted to get that off my chest. It's, it's upsetting to I mean, watch because so, now anybody so can, anybody can be a target. If you're on the right and you're yeah. in New York doing business, you're a target. Yeah, it's Banana Republic stuff, and it's an, it's, that's an insult to bananas to say that. That's how bad it is. It's ridiculous. 
I mean, if anyone's ever bought or sold a house, I mean, you know what's involved with even just doing that when it comes to banks and it comes to appraisers and it comes to pricing and it comes to what they'll lend you. And all you, every, anybody who's done basic transactions know how valuations work and how and who they're left up to. And I've never, in all the transactions I've ever done, had some radical leftist judge be a part of it <laughs> or make any decisions about it yeah. or give his opinion about it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's out of control here. This is um, this is another just trying to put the handcuffs on President Trump so that he has continued money issues, borrowing issues, campaign issues, campaign calendar issues, whatever they can do. It's just so blatantly obvious. And we're in a leftist Marxist takeover of a criminal and civil courts like Giuliani says. And it's just the way it is. And Letitia James, Trump calls her a racist, has a history of prosecuting or trying to prosecute white men falsely. Pastor Doyle from the Cornerstone Church upstate, Cornerstone Church. He had a Reawaken America tour come to his church. She wanted him arrested for domestic terrorism or extremism. Uh, and the Rensselaer County uh, County Executive uh, won a case. I think it was the county executive up there. Won a case against James. She wanted to put him in jail, and he beat her. You know, another white she man. She wanted so. to go after Cuomo and then run for governor herself, this woman. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, right. it's insane. Yeah, uh, and she doesn't have the intellectual capacity uh, to respect the Constitution. She's just a hitman. She's a hitman. There's no one more politically motivated in this country than her. No, and but it's it's uh, on a grand scale, and um, you know. Uh, that's where we're at, and I got some funny videos for you later, and I got a story Well, we got on... time. You want to do some? We still got time. You want to talk about EV trucking really quick? Yeah. Um, you know, these EV mandates, uh, I just interviewed Mike Kucharski again. I interview him a lot. He's uh, the head of the largest refrigerated, corporate, uh, refrigerated truck corporation in America. These guys are operating on a shoestring. They're already going out of business. The mandates, the health insurance, all the stuff that's going on, the crazy laws in California. You can't have a truck that's more than 10 years old. Right now, it only costs 180 to 200,000 for a tractor trailer only. But these EV trucks, they're going to cost over $300,000. Do you know that the batteries, there's two 8,000 pound batteries in these trucks? They weigh 16,000 pounds. Now, most trucks in the United States only have a gross vehicle weight of about 80,000 pounds on the road because the roads can't take it, uh, anything more than that. So you're going to lose 20% of your cargo load. Now, you have to stop. Now, a diesel truck has two 150-gallon tanks plus another diesel tank for the refrigeration up front. You only have to stop once on an 1,800-mile run. You get 1,600 to 1,800 miles. Um, With the electric vehicles... The, the most range they've gotten so far is about 377 miles, if I'm not correct. And every time you stop to charge, you use the power of 200 homes from the grid, and it takes 10 hours to charge. So good luck getting strawberries from California right. to ShopRite on Long Island, New York, in anything less than a week. Um, and uh, it's going to be devastating uh, for the industry. And it only takes 20 to 40 minutes to fill up your truck with diesel. And you don't create the torque with EV that a diesel can only diesel and diesel is also non-flammable volvo released the line of electric trucks and they're telling you not to keep them indoors because all your other trucks are going to burn down uh so um what's going on here are are, uh mandates that in some states are going to be in as early as 2030 i think parts of california and some of the ports and these guys are already and this guy mike kucharski 
from um, JK, JKC Trucking. It's the largest refrigerated truck company in America. He drives a Prius. <laughs> and, you know, he gets 57 miles a gallon. He's not knocking innovation, but it's got to be market-fed. It's got, it can't be, can't be pushed or mandated. It's got to be market-driven, I mean. So, you know, either it works or it doesn't. And he's a proponent of even hybrid technology, but it, it should incorporate hydrogen. But hydrogen is very flammable as well. But that's the only thing that can create the torque for a truck. So, um, again, they're shoving these things down our throat. Um, you can't change the laws of physics. And we're going to destroy an already struggling industry. Yeah. All right, we'll do some more news with David Zier. We'll do some more sports with Slick, Aaron, and Fran holding it down, as always, on a Monday night live from Studio 6B. And we'll continue to talk about what is going on within this Republican Party and where we go from here. Okay, we got 45 days. We got no concessions. We got all of Biden's um, agenda still funded for 45 more days. And where do we go from there? And what is the crux and the core of the problem uh, with the Republican Party. We'll get into that. We'll get into some other issues as well, including this New York case, President Trump, what happened today. Is some of the case going to get thrown out on statute of limitations? We'll talk about that as well. And Charlie Kirk in hour two, live from Studio 6B. forwarded to me here came in tonight damon please why don't you make a public announcement invitation demand that mitch mcconnell come on your show and answer dead serious questions about why he is so quiet about the terrible border crisis i dare you to mention this on air and demand a response from mcconnell we never hear anything from him on the border uh david thank you for the email um a couple things number one you don't have to demand me to talk about it on air if you've watched this show consistently since 2015, since I've done it, or since 2020, since we've been on Real America's Voice, I've talked about Mitch McConnell incessantly, hundreds of thousands of times, um, about what a political disaster, loser, wussy he is. He will never go on any true conservative talk show, not this one, not that I'm putting this show in that realm, but he would never go on with Hannity. He'll never go on with Levin. He would have never gone on with Rush. He'll never go on with Ben Shapiro. He'll never go on with Michael Knowles. He'll never go on with Dan Bongino. He'd never come on with us. He'd never go on with Megyn Kelly. He'd never go on with anyone. He'll go on MSNBC. He'll go on CNN. He may go on Fox with maybe Brett Baer back when he had, when he had it somewhat together. But he will do no true conservative show where he'll get any real questions or pushback ever. So it's a, it's a moot point. I, I'm, and, and again, I understand the frustration, but it's a total moot point. He'll never do any place that he'll get any serious questions or pushback or not allowed to just, <laughs> you know, do that for 20 minutes. Well, Brett, what I think, please. No. 
So he won't go on shows where he can't do that. So it's, it's, a, it's a moot point. He's never going to come on here for many reasons. And most, a lot of people won't. They, a lot of people, a lot of these Republicans won't go anywhere. I want to see a Biden, Fetterman, and McConnell roundtable. Where they're going to get any serious, <laughs> that's a no-brainer. Where they're going to any serious questions. None of them will. That's why you see the real, real conservatives, even like, I mean, they don't have any guests on their show most of the time. Very few. They don't have guests piled up every night because none of them will go there. They want to go where they're loved. That's why they, you know, they want to go on MSNBC. That's why they take shots at Trump because that makes the What do you think Chris Christie's on every damn channel 24 7 for? That fat bastard, because he's taking shots at Trump all the time. Oh, let's get Christie on. He took another shot at Trump. Put him on with Jake Tapper. It'll be great. Get him on The View. That'll be great. That's what they do. So thanks for the email, but that's this is not going to happen. So uh, Daniel Horowitz today, the right has a problem. It's not merely a Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy problem. It's a Republican Party problem. Conservatives will never have leverage to fight the issues that matter in any meaningful way until we find a new home. That is the stone cold truth of the matter. Before we can move forward, we all must face this inconvenient reality. On Saturday, 82% of Senate Republicans, 82% and 50% of the allegedly more conservative House GOP conference voted to continue funding every single odious Biden administration policy, including destructive inflationary spending for another seven weeks without a single concession in return. In doing so, they show that they fear the partial shutdown more than they fear anything else that the government's targeting. A government shutdown has not been averted because we now face the ultimate government shutdown indefinitely with no strategy or political vehicle to end it. Republicans began this year with the most auspicious potential to block Joe Biden's agenda. They had the twin leverage points of the debt ceiling, the budget deadline, whereby they could have refused to grant Joe Biden any more funding for any of his harmful Marxist policies without serious concessions to the Republicans. In many respects, Republicans had more leverage than ever before because they could theoretically govern with a simple majority in the House while Democrats needed 60 votes to use their majority in the Senate. Moreover, unlike during the 10 years of Bill Clinton or Barack Obama, Democrats are saddled with an extremely unpopular president who could not command the bully pulpit during any shutdown fight. So, of course, what happened? Republicans in June gave Biden a blank check for the remainder of his term by suspending the debt ceiling until 2025, more time than he had asked for. The debt has grown quicker than ever before as a result. The GOP's final leverage point was the budget. And the anticipation of the border invasion gave congressional Republicans the perfect mandate to fight through a government shutdown. Yet with both of these leverage points, Republican leaders showed us that there is no degree of danger in which Biden can place this country in 
that would prompt them to engage in any brinkmanship whatsoever. They wouldn't even go up to the line and allow a lapse in funding for at least Sunday when most government facilities are closed anyway. They fear one minute of temporary funding lapse more than they fear inflation, debt, illegal aliens, and the FBI picking off their political opponents. You should shudder to think exactly what it would take to shift Republican leaders' attention away from the old paradigm. Everything we have been through these past few years was evidently not enough. It's also shocking how Republicans had no problem shutting down the entire country for months, yet they zealously clamor to avoid one minute of a partial federal furlough over a weekend. What's clear is nothing has changed about this party since the era of Trump began, not among leadership, not among the overwhelming majority of rank and file members, If they can't even fight for a few days into a government shutdown over issues like the border, inflation, debt, uh, against this Democrat president and these Democrat opponents, they will never fight for us ever. We will now suffer through endless inflation, invasion at the border, war on our energy, war on our freedoms, political persecution with zero backstop in sight. There is quite literally nothing Democrats can do that would seem to elicit a unified, righteous response from the Republican Party. It's not that they don't have values. They certainly care deeply about funding Ukraine. It's just that you and I are not part of their value system, and that really is the main point. Now that we can't even wait till 2025 to redress any of the aforementioned crises, but nothing will change then either. Even if Republicans win all three branches— With such a maniacal degree of fear of a debt ceiling or budget funding lapse, Republicans will never have leverage to fulfill a single campaign promise, assuming any of those promises are even a little sincere. Democrats will always have enough votes in the Senate to filibuster any GOP budget bill. GOP leaders have made it clear that they will never allow the government to shut down, not even for a day. By definition, that means the Democrats will always win a budget fight 100% of the time. We need not speculate about the future when, in fact, this is what occurred when Republicans controlled the trifecta of government with Donald Trump as president, McConnell as Senate Majority Leader, Paul Ryan as Speaker of the House, and as I noted earlier this year, Kevin McCarthy was the House Majority Leader and shepherded nearly every budget bill through the floor with more support from Democrats than they had from Republicans. Nothing has changed from then, and nothing will. But it's worse than the political math at the federal level. In more than 20 states, Republicans enjoy control of all three branches with filibuster-proof majorities. Why is it that we can barely find Republicans outside of Florida willing to fight on issues such as green energy and illegal immigration? They wield dominant majorities in some states to the point where there aren't enough Democrats to populate all of the committees. Yet Republicans still betray us. At some point, we have to face the music that the obstacle to reform has nothing to do with the Democrats. The Republican Party is the problem. All right, more sports and news coming up.
9 o'clock on the East Coast. Real America's Voice. Glad you're in on a Monday, October 2nd. New week, new month. Lots to talk about, lots to do. Everybody's complaining because I'm talking too much. Well, I wasn't here Thursday. I wasn't here Friday, so I got a lot to say. Delgado's not here. <laughs> you think Delgado was hosting the uh, show? <laughs> so Bert's got a birthday tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who's sitting in the seat. You no. complain about whoever's here that they talk too much, right, Slick Rick? Yeah, always, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Delgado, right. he gets it. I yield my time all night. Slick Rick, tell Delgado to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get right on it. Damon talks too much. That's it, Damon. Oh, well. Oh, well. Thanks, uh, thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> Another day that ends in Y. All right, Slick's going to do some sports. Aaron and friend holding it down. The great David Zier sitting in. Rick Delgado, who does have a birthday uh, tonight that he's at, I think with his um, significant family other. birthday. Yeah, yeah significant yeah. other's birthday. Yeah. So he took the night off. Um, David's going to do some news. And we're going to, Charlie Kirk is traveling around the country doing a live free tour. And I think tonight yeah. he is with uh, University of San Jose students, which I would think would be fiery because I can't imagine. they're, they're good. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I can't imagine any of these places. I think that's the point of it, right? He's going to go. He's going into the enemy territory. Yeah, fire well, him up. He's been great. You know, when he was uh, at ASU, I think it was last week. You know, he's like, they don't want to debate. They just want to curse at me. You yeah. know, so now he's, this is their opportunity to have intelligent discussion if they're capable of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so we're going to bring that to you on the nights that he does these. And there's, they're spread out here over the next couple months, I think, couple nights. And, uh, It'll interrupt the last part of our show, but we're happy to do it because I think it'll be great to watch. So uh, first one is tonight. We expect it around 930 or so, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later. Uh, but we'll throw it to Charlie out at University of San Jose whenever he goes live. So uh, let's do some news with David Zier. I'm not going to talk the rest of this segment. <laughs> I'm done. It's turned over to David Zier. <laughs> Shut up, Slick. <laughs> and Slick Rick. We'll start with news. News is brought to you by our friends over at Seven Cells. David Zia, what's going on? I have nothing to say <laughs> for a change. Don't make me pull the fire alarm to get us out of here. Oh, yeah. no, don't go there. Come yeah, on and the guy AOC did, was upset about that, too. huh? Wasn't oh, Bowman a principal, defense. too? He said he didn't know what it was for. He thought the door would open when he pulled the thing. <laughs> Come on. Sounds very insurrectiony to me, and, and yeah. should be charges should be filed already. You should get twenty-two years at least. He was in D.C. while he committed. Yeah, uh, in supposedly the building. Supposedly committed it an obstruction. So okay. A um, lot going on, and it'll be fun. They should film the parking lot after Charlie Kirk's done tonight of all the kids getting in their parents' Lexus to go home, you know, after they scream about social justice. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Gingrich, uh, let's see, Anthony Aguero, RAV correspondent extraordinaire. You know, listen, all of them, Benzman, Michael Yan, Ben Burkwam's the greatest, Anthony Aguero, Oscar Oblu. Watch this footage. It's heartbreaking. They're passed out, y'all. So, if I could talk over this, you know, what you're watching is uh, illegals on their way up. I don't know if they're in the U.S. or on the other side of the border in this footage, but there's all these kids, and this guy's claiming, I think, to be a parent of them. The kids are drugged. They're unconscious. The kids are drugged or they're, they're just it, sleeping? It, 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 no, they're drugged. And they can't wake them up. 
and uh, Anthony Aguero steps in. I don't know who the women woman is in the video. Um, and they can't wake the kids up. Um, and it looks like they're fake families and being smuggled or trafficked into the United States. Um, very heartbreaking. There's follow-up videos. Go to Twitter um, and, and check out uh, the remaining videos because I can't, I can't, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Um, and let's go to the next video here. This is uh, Philadelphians feeding their families. Watch this. Why is this uptick in crime happening? Maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. They're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. TV dinners? <laughs> TV dinners. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, or an 80-inch OLED, I don't know, whatever. Either yeah. And, and don't forget this oldie <laughs> but a goodie. Dinners. The Worst Actress Award goes to... Oh. Jeez. <laughs> Talking about... Tongue-tied. The kids three. in the Trump detention centers. Oh, my God. I'm about to revisit my oh. dinner. <laughs> I just had to get that in there because it's so it. ridiculous. Three tender age shelters in South Texas. Lawyers and medical providers just... You know, lest we forget, this off. those those fences were put up during she previous went to the John Boehner school of. Uh... Oh God, yeah. At least he really cried. You know, like the cowardly lion he looked like, or you know, he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. anyway. Um, I met John Boehner once. He's pretty nice, but didn't do. Uh, you know, listen, what happened in Congress uh, was terrible. Another stellar Republican leader we've yeah. had over the years. So, um, also. I wanted to show you this video of social justice in America. PC Richards. <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know around the country, that's a Philadelphia PC Richards, the greatest appliance store oh, chain in yes, the United States. Absolutely. Okay. More than, oh, whoop. I love PC Richards. Whoa. So the black community got equity and justice. I love those TVs, huh? And food for their family by cleaning out a family run, family owned appliance store yeah and i got one more video for you now this is floyd bennett field all right the tvs are pretty cheap nowadays too you go to costco yeah. man, it's amazing like a hundred bucks yeah, i know pretty... you get a tv for like 120 dollars. so and a nice one too for like 180 bucks so uh <laughs> no extended warranties on those yeah <laughs> for sure you don't even take the protection plays throw them out like you before you hit the front door guy fell <laughs> yeah i'm gonna put 10 of them in my garage i'm good for 20 years who's screening those guys <laughs> right oh, see slick is funny um but floyd bennett field you know they want to put like what 7500 uh legal aliens there migrants um check this out it's a floodplain, and it's federal property and I think this was put out by a uh, state uh, or city council member, Ariola to show them wakeboarding. I think that's a wakeboard on yeah, Floyd Bennett Field. Behind, what is that, behind a boat? I don't know. Or behind a... Um, but this is where the tents were supposed to go, Floyd Bennett Field. You know, we had eight inches of rain in New York on Friday. We had, the, we had two feet of water in uh, LaGuardia, <laughs> in the terminal. Yeah. People walking around yeah. barefoot waiting for their flights. But it's an improvement. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to share with you um, a little humor. But that's, uh, those are the people running our country. Yeah. All right, we'll do some more news with David Zia. Let's do some sports.
Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell. And, of course, my pillow, our code LFS6B. So new shirt of the month starts today. Any, any shopping you do at MyPillow in October. And then November, December, we're going to blow it out with, um, well, we haven't finalized the deal, but it's going to be a great promo to incentivize you as much as possible to shop all your holiday shopping and some uh, to support Mike Lindell. And again, if you didn't see Mike's video today of what's going on, it's just, I mean, it's, it's different, obviously, than President Trump, but it's got that same feeling. It's like, when is enough? It's, it's a guy's just getting tortured. It's just one thing after another after another, and now they're all trying to audit people, I guess, who work there or audit my pillow. Um, people who are answering the phones, there's like five or six audits going on. I mean, they're just trying to shut down their phone, incoming phone lines, which, you know, a huge part of the audience for my pillow um, probably uses the number. They're not technically savvy. They're not going online. They're not off computers and, 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 and things like that. They're probably calling the 800 number. It's probably a huge part of the business. We actually have an 800 number for LFSP. I never give it out. I probably should. That they know then you're from this audience when you use that number. But I'll bet it's a lot of people who use the number. And now they're going after his phone room. It's just nonstop. So anyways, uh, the new shirt of the month is going to be the Trump shirt. Nice. Truth really upsets most people. This is what it says. Nice shirt. And it says Trump. I wore it once. It's in that nice purple slick. It's in your purple. Nice. The royal color. Well, it's in a lot of colors. We'll let you pick your color this month as well. You can pick your color this month. Shirt of the month. Trump truth shirt is the October shirt of the month. Let's do sports. Slick, what's going on? All right, we're getting out to Met Get a Life Monday Night Football in action. About 11 minutes to go in the second quarter, and the Seattle Seahawks are up 7-0 with the ball on their own 20. Uh, so we'll see. Giants, no Saquon Barkley tonight. Going to be tough for them to come back. Fran says the game is a mess. They're all over the place. I haven't had a chance really to check it in because I'm on the show. But, uh, yeah, 7-0 Seattle. We'll check the score a little bit later. Uh, and some sad news, especially for our Red Sox fans over the weekend. Former Red Sox knuckleballer Tim Wakefield dies at the age of 57. ESPN. Sure. News. Terrible, uh, terrible, terrible, right? Yeah, Tim Wick- Wakefield, the uh, knuckleballing workhorse of the Red Sox pitching staff who bounced back after giving up a season-ending home run to the Yankees in the 2003 playoffs uh, to help Boston win its curse-busting World Series title the following year uh, has died. He was 57. The Red Sox announced his death in a statement Sunday. Wakefield had brain cancer, according to former teammate Kurt Schilling, who disclosed the illness on a podcast leak last week without Wakefield's consent. The Red Sox confirmed an illness at the time, but did not elaborate, saying Wakefield had requested privacy. Wakefield told ESPN in 2011 that he learned the pitch as a boy from his father, Steve, when the two of them would play catch in the backyard at home in Melbourne, Florida. It was something to basically tire me out, Wakefield said. His dad had shown him how to pitch. Uh, relying on the old, tiny pitch that had largely fallen into disuse, he went on to win 200 major league games, including 186 with the Red Sox, behind, behind only Cy Young and uh, Roger Clark in franchise history. So the third greatest pitcher on the Red Sox ever passes away yesterday at the age of 57. 57. Everybody's dying young. Like we're already down three years from our uh, median lifespan since uh, before COVID. No, there's cancer, David. It's catching a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Very sad. But are they getting cancer because of uh, some of them because of the vax? 
you know, could be kicking off stuff. You know, this could is be. crazy. I know so many young people are dying. Yeah, I don't know how long that illness was. Uh, and now let's get to it, Big D. Uh, let's get uh, bad news. Europe holds off the United States to win Ryder Cup. This is Mark Schleyback of ESPN. Wait, wait, uh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be talking. But what was the title? They did what? Europe holds off United holds States. Holds off. <laughs> <laughs> they try to be nice. What can I tell you? Monticello, Italy. Tommy Fleetwood has never won a PGA Tour event in the United States, but the Englishman sure had broken plenty of American hearts when the Ryder Cup is played on European soil. Fleetwood won the clinching point for the European team with a 3-1 and victory over Ricky Fowler in the 44th Ryder Cup at Marco Simone uh, Golf Club on Sunday. The Europeans needed 14 and a half points to win back the Ryder Cup, and Fleetwood's win after Fowler conceded on the 16th hole gave them a 15-10 lead with three matches left on the course in their eventual 16 and a half to 11. 11 and a half victory, Big D. It was America's American team's seventh straight Ryder Cup defeat outside the U.S. It last won in a road match at the Belfry in was this Warwickshire, uh, England in 1993. So they don't do too good when they go over the pond there, Big D. That's for sure. And that's a wrap in sports. <laughs> Back to you, Big D. You timed it well. We have to go to break. about Birch Gold. You know, last month, the G20 announced a plan to impose digital currencies and digital IDs on their respective populations. Central bank digital currencies essentially allow the government to track every purchase you make. They could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. A government-issued digital currency. I mean, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to figure out what a disaster that would be. In essence, they enable the government to take more control over your finances and your life. Concerned Americans are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of our friends from Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, you should call Birch Gold as well. Learn for yourself. That's the most important thing you can do. And what, how you're going to find out is by texting the word America on your mobile device. Just take it out. Text America. It's not that hard. Send it to 989898. And they'll send you a free information kit on gold. That's all you got to do. Text America to 989898. Bam! Right back to you. Your free information kit on gold. The easiest way to become a Birch Gold customer... Well, if you have an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer just gathering dust, well, Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold. And you don't pay a penny out of pocket. They'll guide you right through the whole entire process. Text AMERICA to 989898. Claim your free information kit on gold. Then call them because if a digital currency becomes reality, it'll be nice to have some gold that you can fall back on. All right, uh, 18 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. 
be. A bunch of other stuff I, w- I want to try to get to. I know we got Charlie Kirk coming up here in the next half hour, 15, 20 minutes or so. But I think the other important thing that I came across today that I think I want to just draw some attention to, because given the re- state of the Republican Party um, and the things we're talking about tonight, I think the other thing that we should talk about is the other side and the other party who seemingly never has the issues that the Republican Party has on anything. They rally the wagons, they circle the wagons, they link arms, and they burn the place down on their way through to get to where they want to get. Like, and, I, and I draw the California at the top of the show, what Gavin Newsom did with the Senate seat to point out the difference. And they are just, they are just viciously effective in putting their best radicals in the places to fight their most radical fights. And the Republican Party just does not do that. We don't have any fighters. People still talk about the Senate as if it's 5149 or 5248, whatever the hell the numbers are. It doesn't even matter. It's 90-10 Democrats. That's what it is. The Senate is 90-10. That's too much, damn it. Okay, let's go by the vote last Friday. It's 85-15. Since 85% of the Senate voted for it. Forget this idea that it's 5149 or 5248, whatever it is. It's 8515. And I still think that's being generous. Democrats use issues to push for total control. That's the headline. Democrats are playing a game of hide and seek with the voters, they hide what they're up to. And the voters do very little seeking. The game revolves around the philosophical mystery at the core of this party. Who are the Democrats? What do they believe? Democrat leaders, especially the older ones, still speak the language of caring. But their policies say otherwise. They're no longer the party of the New Deal, offering an array of programs to help families, children, and working men and women. Instead, based on their current priorities, they are the party of the international managerial elite, as represented by Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton. This international elite hiding in plain sight has its own agenda, rarely reported on by the mainstream media. But it's been made public as the great reset of the World Economic Forum. The great reset has little to do with the well-being of you or the people of this country. Two current issues today provide insight into the philosophical foundation of the Democratic Party today. Climate change and transgenderism. Two things that we have been speaking about that the Republicans could have get couldn't could have gotten behind in this funding uh, priorities that we've been debating here over the last weeks. Two of the many things that we look at and go, no, we're not funding that anymore. In polling, Democrat voters rank climate change as an important issue, but less important than health care, education, and abortion rights. Transgenderism is well down the list of voter priorities. Transgenderism and climate change are problematic issues. Men cannot become women and women cannot become men. Gender is not a social construct, but a physical reality. No matter how often you assert the opposite, it will not become true. Likewise, climate change. Everyone knows that man-made climate change is destroying the planet. 
the entire scientific community is united in agreement. Well, both of those statements are false, but they're never debated. The science upon which climate catastrophe assertions are based is not settled. Just ask Nobel Prize winning scientist Dr. John Clauser, who was recently canceled for undermining the supposed monolithic climate orthodoxy. Why are these two issues, each with a questionable foundation in reality, at the forefront of democratic activism, you must ask? Because in the Democratic Party today, it is not about the middle-class Americans. It's not middle-out, bottom-up, and all this nonsense we hear from Joe Biden. It's not even about Americans anymore. It's about the goals of the international managerial elite. And this reflects the philosophical change at the heart of the Democratic Party. For Democrats, power is no longer a means of helping people, but power is the end itself. The goal is to expand government power in order to remake society and remake humanity itself. What is needed to advance these goals? Power and control. That is why they love communist China. The World Economic Forum and the leftist Democrat elite here want to duplicate across the globe the CCP's total control of their people. Climate change is useful because it is a planet-threatening problem that requires systemic change enforced by the government, requiring an even greater government control over your life. Like the COVID pandemic, transgenderism is another power play, an attempt to override reality by government fiat. It places the state in the middle of the family, giving the state the last word on the question of the human person, fracturing the national power structure of the family and establishing the state as a competing authority with parents. So the core of the Democrat Radical Party today, well, the, the bottom line is that there is no core. They have no soul. They have no core. They have no interest in your soul. And the Republicans better wake up to this reality. That's the crux of this issue. And they play for keeps. And we play for, I don't know, screen time, interviews, social media, pops. I'm not sure what we play for. We certainly do not play seemingly for outcomes. Outcomes on issues, when they matter, how they matter, at the time they matter. And outcomes is what we better get interested in, or we are going to get smoked in 24.
30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B. We're on uh, official Charlie Kirk watch here. Countdown clock is rolling until he takes the stage at San Jose um, University. Uh, so we'll be watching that. We'll, we'll go to that as soon as uh, that takes the stage, about 10 minutes or so. So let's do some sports right now. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout when you shop at MyPillow. Not only does it give you a fantastic discount, but it'll give you our shirt of the month absolutely free from us as a token of appreciation for supporting Mike Lindell in this um, run to the end of the year. And he needs the biggest run to the end of the year we've ever had at MyPillow to support MyPillow, make sure they stay in business, make sure Mike keeps fighting for what he believes in because uh, he's under vicious attack. So use our code if you're going to shop there. We appreciate when you use it. And to show our appreciation, we'll give you the shirt of the month absolutely free. All you need to do is send us your confirmation email that shows you used our code and gives us your shipping information, and then tell us the shirt of the month, which is the Trump uh, Truth Trump shirt. Tell us color and size, and we'll mail it to you absolutely free. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, Big D, get you updated on that game at MetLife Monday Night Football. Two-minute warning to the half. Graham Gano of the Giants just kicked a nice 55-yard field goal to tighten the game. 7-3, to three, the Seahawks continue to lead that one, Big D. So we'll keep an eye on that and give you an update later if we get a chance. If not, we'll talk about a recap for you tomorrow. Major League Baseball, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the great Terry Francona played, uh, managed his last game yesterday. Yesterday, the Cleveland Indian, uh, well, excuse me, Cleveland Guardians. Uh, he was the uh, famous Red Sox manager who won those two world championships, including breaking the curse of the Bambino by leading the Red Sox over the Yankees back in the 2004 World Series memorable championship. He also picked up another ring in 2007 with the Red Sox. And, uh, well, he's the 13th all-time winningest manager. There's only 11 uh, managers uh, that are in the Hall of Fame ahead of him uh, and one who did not make it. So we'll see if he gets in. I'm pretty sure he's going to make it, though, as a Hall of Fame manager. No question about it. And Major League Baseball uh, kicks off Big D. We got the Major League games uh, tomorrow. The playoffs start in fact. We got uh, a couple of games. Let me get to those. Rangers at the Rays 3 p.m. wild card action. Then we have the Blue Jays visiting Minnesota to take on the Twins. That's a 4.30 first pitch. At 7 p.m. the Diamondbacks head out to Milwaukee, take on the Brewers and Marlins at the Philadelphia Phillies. That's the 8 p.m. nightcap. I'll tell you, I do love Major League Baseball. These wild card games are great. And of of course, waiting for the waiting in the wings for these winners will be the Braves, Dodgers, Orioles, and Astros, who all ended up uh, clinching a bye for the first round as the wild card proceedings. So we're excited about that, Big D. I'll have updates for you in the games, and uh, yeah, just love that baseball. Uh, the fall classic rolling into uh, probably like what is it? The end, middle of Thanksgiving, I think, is when the World Series will finally wrap up. But uh, and that's a wrap in sports, Big D. That's what I have for you tonight. All right, Slick, very good. Again, sports brought to you by Mike Lindell. Use our code LFS6B. Send the emails if you do use it forward your confirmation emails to lfs6b at yahoo.com lfs6b at yahoo.com lfs6b at yahoo.com yahoo uh, let's do some news news is brought to you by our friends at seven cells that code lfs6b uh, we'll save you 20% off your cart there. Uh, David Zier, what else, what else is going on? Uh, well, we have a hot news flash uh, across our desk. The Cleveland Guardians, the dumbest name in professional sports. You know, Louis Sakalexis, who was a Penobscot Indian, he was a great player. They were named uh, the Indians in honor of him. It wasn't a degrading thing, but anyway, no, I digress. Yes. Um, but the U.S. office market, I've been talking about this for about eight, nine months Um you know, I had Steve Cortez uh, at the America First Warehouse last year talking about it. Commercial collapse 
uh, is coming for the real estate market. And I don't want to depress everybody, but it's going to get ugly next year. You know, my commercial real estate firm, the phone is not ringing. Um, people can't afford the space that's out there. Uh, office market's going to take a big hit. So like the argument is, and people surveyed in a New York Post article, um, <clears throat> represents that most people think it's going to happen mid next year towards the second to third quarter, fourth quarter of next year. Um, I think sooner. And, um, you know, people, and now remember in, I think October, a lot of people's student loans come due. Um, it takes out a big chunk out of the economy and consumer spending. Yep. Um, so there's going to be a contraction. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely concerned. Um, you know, the office market figured that nobody was really working before. And then, you know, with the crazy lockdown policies of COVID, nobody's reoccupying their offices. Uh, only about half the offices in New York City are filled again. Um, and the problem, as you're explaining, yeah. is that a lot of these buildings are coming up for either refinancing. Refi. That yeah. was my point. Right. Too, They're coming right? up. And of course, um, a lot of the banks are turning around and saying, well, that's six, seven percent yeah, on a we're, commercial We're only going to do a certain amount. Yeah. At that at six seven percent, you're gonna have to come up with. I, I was listening to the yeah. All In podcast with, uh, um, oh, what's David? I can't think of David's last name, and he was like, I just had to come up with the money, yeah, because the bank wouldn't do it. And now there's gonna be a lot of people who are not in my position that have a hundred million dollars cash to be able to just say, okay, I'll you know I'll, whatever you'll do, I'll f do the rest. Yeah, and uh, also I remember um, that a lot of people. Um, are not uh, in a position uh, to refi um, and, and get, you know, these, they're not going to qualify. So, um, and the banks, you know, the feds were dumping money into the banks for years in quantitative easing. Mm -hmm. Now they're taking out something like a hundred billion a month. I don't know. The That's number. what they're trying to do. They're trying to unload the so, balance sheet, which went to yeah. about $10 trillion. Maybe. So you take that off the table, then you have less taxes coming in. Uh, inflation stays with us. They probably maxed out on uh, interest rates, maybe another hike coming, but, um, <clears throat> You know, there's a lot of empty warehouses like Joanne, Ohio, saying there's empty houses in Ohio. You know, Trump brought back a lot of jobs to Ohio. Whirlpool, the Jeep plant, uh, tanks in Lima uh, were being built and stuff. But I think uh, some of that is going back in a different direction. So um, just warning everybody, be a little frugal, save you money. And, um, you know, it could be a rough ride. Could be great for the Republicans. Uh, for the 2025 race, which maybe we'll finally close our border. I can see the only good thing I can take out of this. Well, you know, and again, that takes us back to the whole positioning of where we were going into this debt fight. You know, given everything that that's going on, the numbers of the president's polling, when you, when you look back now on what would have been a 30% cut, the word is that they had the votes other than Gates and his 18 others who st joined him, they had the votes before he in the 18 said no to pass a 30% cut in spending across the board on every federal agency for the 30, 45 days CR and catch and release HR2, whatever it is, the, the get rid of catch and release and secure the border. Then to take that, throw it to the Senate and go, here you go, Mitch. This is what we're standing behind. Well, Gates is claiming he's fighting for the taxpayers of Florida because these people have... Well, he wants uh, to run for governor, right? Well, is that the word? There's talk of that, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, they're, they're done. They're, I mean, it's, the, the debt is up like $25 trillion since 2005. You know, we're cooked. And um, 
He's digging in his heels. He wants more. So I don't know. I don't know if I blame him. Well, it's great that he wants more. Right now we have nothing. Okay. And, we, so, and, and, and even if you, vac- you vac- vacate McCarthy, let's say yeah. he has the votes, which I don't think he does. Yeah. But it, but if you, if you go as far as making you, – you have 18 people with you. You need, you need like 50 to 75 more to kind of be like, okay, I can kind of smell what you're cooking here. I can yeah. be with you. If you turn the 50 or 75 or the additional past that that could maybe get on board with you into going, you know what, this is clearly partisan and, polit- and personal with you. I'd rather go work with McCarthy and the Democrats. You've lost the plot. Right, but a lot can happen in 45 days too. I don't think this, this is over. But what could happen in 45 days short of McCarthy saying, okay, here's the other eight appropriations bills. Here's what we're defunding, and we're standing behind it, and here's the messaging that we're going with. Here you go, uh, Mitch. You and Chuck have fun with this one. I want to see Congress close down. <laughs> they're, they're, it's out of control. get to the shutdown. I know, but, you know, uh, listen, I, I've been around I've been around congressmen and people my whole life, you know, and uh, I don't know if they represent what's best for the American people. So yeah. I'm split on it, you know. I, I'm split on it, but I think we need to take drastic, drastic action. It's not good enough what's going on. So I think we need something bigger. I don't know. Again, you want to get rid of McCarthy? Bravo. I'm all for getting rid of McCarthy. It's not about getting well, rid who's of the, him. What's the next thing? McCarthy's gone. Who's, the, who's in? And what leverage does all of a sudden that give us? I don't know if we have any leverage now. Well, clearly we don't. Now we don't. We just we just extended funding at the same levels for forty five days. Clearly, we have no you know, leverage now. Well, listen. Everybody was cheerleading Newt Gingrich when he shut down the government. You know, we shut down the government twenty two, twenty seven times in the last fifty years. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people are pissed, and um, they're tired. Of, they're tired of deals. They're tired of deals. All right, uh, let's bring up um, Charlie Kirk. He is live, San Jose, and we are going to take you live there for coverage, and we will see you here on Live from Studio 6B tomorrow night. Let's go to Charlie Kirk. The room is pretty packed. It's actually full. Now, I would like to thank a few people who helped make this event possible. First, I would like to thank San Jose State's Police Department and the San Jose Police Department. They provide security, they did a bomb sweep of this building, and they do provide security for everyone here 24-7. Furthermore, I would like to thank people who are involved with Turning Point. This event would not be possible without our field reps, without chapter presidents from other chapters as well, without our events coordinator and our strategic director, as well as the 50-something volunteers we have sitting in the front. So please give them a big round of applause. I would also like to thank Turning Point themselves for, for providing training and for making sure this is all possible. Without Turning Point, there isn't really a place where conservatives can get together on campuses. So I do really appreciate that. And so do many of you here, as it seems.